0: In those, days, Caesar, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while someone was governor of Syria, <laughs> and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger.
1: Uh, To 21, inclusive.
0: (laughs) Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him they spread the word concerning that he had been told concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up those things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Eric. So that's the passage we're just going to reflect on a little bit tonight. I'm not going to talk for long. Um, I just want to bring out a couple of thoughts that I've sat with as I've just been pondering on that passage and then, yeah, have a little bit of discussion. Either have it now, and then hopefully it'll kind of keep going down into the pub. And that is around, what is it about the nativity story that resonates for you? Or another way to ask that question, I think, is uh, in that passage in verse 10, the angels say, don't be afraid because we bring tidings of good news. Uh, that, that word, good news, is, um, it's euangelion. It's the, uh, the word that literally translate into, translates into gospel. Um, gospel good news. So they're saying, we come with tidings of gospel. We, we bring gospel. And so I, I want to ask, in what ways is the nativity story good news for you? In what ways is the birth of Jesus good news for you? Because it's good news in so many different ways. And I think at different times in our lives, we discover new ways that it's good news. The, the fact that Jesus has become a human. Um, So I'm going to throw that open, and um, it might be a time to reflect. Uh, Maybe some people want to share. But before we get to that, um, we went to the Louvre in in January. We stood outside. Um, We... Uh, we had planned our trip meticulously, like months before we left. I knew the bus timetables of Paris because I was like, I know exactly what we're going to do on each day. and uh, And the last day that we were there, we we're going to head to the Louvre, and I was so excited. So we got on our little electric scooters. We're heading from our hotel down to the Louvre, and Thomas just jumps on Google to check the location one more time. He says, Joel the Louvre's closed today. I'm like, that's impossible. It can't be closed. I've checked it. It says that it's closed. And I'm looking at Google. It's closed on Christmas Day, New Year's Day. And then it has a little dot, dot, dot. And I click the dot, dot, dot. And it says closed Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and Tuesdays. <laughs> like, no, nah. like, say that one first. Like, that's, that's one seventh of all the days of the year. Um, and so we didn't get to go to the Louvre. But in the Louvre, there's a painting, which as I've often seen and never really known much about, um, it's by Govert Flink. He's a, um, a Dutch artist, and it's not super clear, but it's the Annunciation. It's the angels appearing to the shepherds. Um, this is one of those scenes that has inspired artworks across, you know, across millennia. Um, I love what's taking place in this passage, not just because the angels are appearing and saying, hey, I come bearing tidings of gospel, of good news, peace on earth, um, it is uh, such a stark contrast. I look at that, and I think the you know you see the angels in their radiant glory up in the top left of the screen, and they're surrounded in this brilliant light. And what I think we're supposed to see as we look at this, uh, or rather, we're supposed to hear is this radiant music coming forth as they uh, their uh, their glory fills the skies. Uh, And this music, this choir just bursts forth, praising God uh, and proclaiming gospel. Then down in the right-hand side, shrouded in darkness, shadow, cowering in fear, we have these shepherds these lowly people, probably outcasts from a lot of society. They're not allowed into the city until they've been cleansed. They're outworking the dirty work in the fields. And, and you see this really stark contrast between angels in their radiant glory and shepherds in the bottom right, in their darkness. And is, it's just a seismic gap. And, and yet, what we read in that passage, there's two tasks that take place and both the angels and the shepherds take part in both of those tasks. The first one is spreading a message that they know is good news. So we see that the shepherds go and see Jesus, and then they run out into Bethlehem, and they can't help themselves. It's probably two o'clock in the morning, but they're so excited because, like, guys, this this Messiah that we have been waiting for, the the chosen one, the the one who is going to rescue Israel, the Messiah has arrived, and they proclaim good news, just as the angels proclaim good news. The second one is that they both worship um, and they they praise God for what God is doing, and you get this impression that um, that they they both capture something of what is taking place in the universe at that point. In the history of everything that's ever taken place, this is a turning point. This is the moment that the creator has stepped down and become the created. Uh, This is the moment that the one who has stood outside of creation has now stepped into creation. This is the moment that the one who is distant and far has now come close and a narrative has been set in motion which can't be stopped. And from here, the ball really starts rolling. And they stand there and they proclaim glory. They say, wow, God, you are really, really good. Uh, And I I think the picture that we're supposed to get from these really contrasting figures, these celestial beings and these outcasts, I think the picture that we're supposed to get is this really unlikely choir uh, made up of unlikely companions singing this really unlikely song. Um, And as they sing it, it's almost an indication that we're so far apart and yet we stand in solidarity with one another. It's this invitation to everyone else to join in the song. It's this invitation to say, it really doesn't matter where you stand on this spectrum. Uh, we're inviting you to join in in this proclamation. We're inviting you to join in in this praising of God. Um, there's, a, there's a great scene a little bit later on in Luke, um, in Luke 19, that Steph touched on a moment ago. Um, Jesus is coming towards the end of his life. Uh, so he's, he's born, he grows up. He has his ministry, and he starts making his way into Jerusalem for one final time. And as he walks into Jerusalem, crowds of disciples. Um, you know, often we hear the word disciples to refer to twelve people. Luke nineteen refers to it as crowds of disciples. These these people who have been following Jesus from village to village, town to town, city to city. They've seen his ministry. They start. They start converging on Jerusalem, and they start laying down their cloaks, and they start laying down palm branches as Jesus walks through this city, and they start proclaiming that Jesus is king. Politically terrifying prospects for the city of Jerusalem. So the Pharisees, the religious rulers, they turn around to Jesus and say, tell your disciples to be quiet. Tell them to shut up. Um, you're, you're about to start a riot here. Make them be quiet because these disciples are starting to cause havoc here because they're praising you so much and so loudly and so passionately. They're actually starting to think of you as a king and that's, that's not good. And Jesus returns the, returns to them saying that and he says, if they stay quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. If they stay quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. And I think we get this, uh, we, we get this moment of realization there where we say, okay, sometimes we don't understand God. Um, sometimes we don't comprehend God. Sometimes we really even struggle to say, yep, yeah, God's there or God is good. But God is still worshipped in that point. Uh, The worship doesn't cease then, um, because if we weren't here worshipping today, the chairs would be singing our song anyway. Um, If we weren't here to sing a song about God, the fruit trees out the back are still doing their job. They're out there glorifying God. If we stay silent, the walls declare the glory of God, because everything in creation, day in, day out, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, stands in wonder and awe at the glory of the thing that created it. it. It looks toward God and brings God worship because it ascribes worth to God. And we see this, as I said, right through Scripture. So let me, um, let me throw up Psalm 148. Um, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon, shining stars, highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord for at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his biddings, you mountains and all hills. Um, We get the impression that Creation itself is worshiping God. Uh, Creation itself is worshiping God. Let me show you another one. Um, Oh, there's more. Fruit trees, cedars, wild animals, cattle, small... Oh, I didn't realize this kept going. All nations, princes and... Like, it's everything. It's comprehensive. It's everything that could ever exist within the scope of the universe is there worshiping Yahweh. Um, Psalm 19 in the idea that um, if we aren't ascribing God worth, um, then perhaps we're off kilter with creation in some way. I wonder if that's what we're supposed to understand in this, uh, that in order to be our truly created selves, there's something to do with recognizing God as the one who is good and bringing worship to God. And I, um, I know that in my rational brain, I think. Like I can sit there and say, you know, if God is real, yeah, tick, I believe that. If God is real and God created all things and God sustains all things and God sits above all things yet God is within all things and God breathes all things into existence and, and God moment by moment holds all things in play, then like, duh of course I'm going to worship God. Like that's, that's a, why would I think the opposite? But I think the hard part comes when I actually try and live that out. Um, When I actually try and let the rubber hit the road. Um, Because day by day, uh, I get busy. And day by day, I have other things that fill my mind. And day by day, I get distracted. Um, And so what I'm learning to do and I don't know if this is helpful, this, this is just my practice, what I'm learning to do is try and um, take little moments through the day where I can just stop and send to myself and say, hey, is this a moment where I can give thanks to God? Um, is this a moment where I, I should just recognize some goodness of God that is part of this world? Um, because Advent, uh, Advent is a season of worship And it's a season of waiting. It's a season of stepping out and understanding more of who God is. Um, And I guess for me, the reflection is, um, I want to think about what it means to stand in solidarity with all of creation, with the shepherds and the angels and everything within that scope, things that are seen and things that are unseen, and worship. I want to think about what that means. Um, And so, little tiny thing for me, Um, I want to stop. I want to breathe. Um, I want to sit in a vineyard at night and look at a star-strewn sky Um, and just reflect. And think, wow, like, if this is the creation, how glorious is the creator? I want to uh, look towards the ocean Um, and see its grandeur, and just stand in the shallows of the water, uh, let the water run past my feet, and listen to the melody that creation is singing. Um, Without words, without voice, creation is singing moment by moment, And if that's the creation in all of its wonder and beauty and mystery and complexity and balance, then how much more marvelous is the creator? And I just want to sit in that and ponder that and be still in that. And I guess in all of that, um, what I'm wanting to do, and this is kind of my heart's cry as I read this passage, Uh, I want to just join in the song of creation, um, join in the song that's already being sung uh, as the stars and the skies and the mountains and the rivers and the valleys proclaim the goodness of God. Um, it's a pretty powerful picture, isn't it? Um, the idea that we exist as part of this, this symphony. Um, that's, that's an honor that we get to be a part of. Um, that's my reflection on Luke chapter 2, um, being part of this creation that sings glory um, and sings praises. That's my reflection. Um, turn to your little pieces of paper that you have drawn there. They are also worthy of being in the Louvre, as we've heard. Um, turn to your pieces of paper. Um, have a look at them. Let, let that jog kind of your, your memory, um, your memories of the Nativity story, the things that are taking place in this story. Um, and I guess I want to ask the question, um, in what ways is in what ways is Christmas good news for either you or for our world? What are some of the themes that fall within Christmas time that you think our world or you personally can really do with right now? Um, why is why is Christmas good news? Um, and if you really want to go there feel free to say you don't think it is uh, or you still have questions about whether Christmas is good news um, because I know that's a real thing. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to you. If you want to share, please feel free to. Uh, if not, we can reflect. And Alex. Have you ever met before? Um, uh, I think, yeah, I'd never really thought of Advent, like the day Advent like in the last couple of years or anything, but I think yeah. that kind of, uh, that idea of waiting and mm. that kind of, uh, Jesus um, being born with the
2: Virgin Mary, and that kind of like, that that uh, picture you showed of like the connecting of the heavens
1: and the, the shepherds was like such a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of reminds us of, of like when we're waiting when Jesus comes again, it's going to be such like a cataclysmic thing, like such a powerful thing of like him coming from the heavens and like yes. yeah, that kind of like that really yeah like it's such a like huge thing. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought he's just tied in well with the whole thing. Basically. Yeah. Well said. Well said.
2: Uh, if I'm going to chime in, um, I think it's about kind of like, as you say, kind of riffing off that um, the encounters and moments in life where, like, so many of these things are people like encountering something and and physically reacting. You know, the the mm. shepherds then proclaim the the baby leaps in the womb and it's about finding those spaces where you come alive and like you physically are just kind of like encaptured by encountering God and God's presence Mm -hmm. and kind of seeking out those spaces and having spent a week at the beach, you know, like trying to grasp those things, be around the people who enliven you, um, you know, kind of seeking the encounter of God and the ways that like our bodies just respond in ways that we're like, this is so life-giving mm. and, and Christ is here that the heavens have come down and, you know, God is here.
1: Ah, mm. oh, well said.
2: Mm.
3: Something, um, something that I think is really cool is that Jesus is, so Jesus is born in history at this point in time at the event um, we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas, but Christ has been the creator and the sustainer of this universe for 13.7 billion years and beyond that into the past and beyond that into the future. Um, And it reminds me of the hope that the Israelites had. I think it's Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light and suddenly the heavens are split open on this particular evening and the angels appear, and the great light is here. Mm. And it breaks in in the proclamation of the angels and in the event that they proclaim taking place. And from then on, through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, through the gathering of his body, the church, that light remains in the world.
0: Mm. It's
3: never going to go away again. Mm. And in a year where there's been so much darkness, let's remember that we have the eternally past, eternally future light of the world here mm. because of the event that we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. I think that's a great comfort.
1: Mm. Amen. <clears throat> Steph, I love how you just pick, capture images so well and um, like that light and darkness is so, and it's all through. Look, and I didn't even think of it from Isaiah, but yeah, that's real. Like a light has just come into the world and Um, And the darkness cannot put it out. Um, Yeah, well said.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think the pictures were a good idea just to paint the whole story together. Mm. The thing that struck me as we did that is just how little the events seem, but then thinking how small that beginning was at this time in this mm. story, but then what it's grown and mm. built into looking at the world today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I guess it's just that light coming. It came in a very small way, built momentum, going out and out. Yep. And the gospel's out there today. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's. that's yeah.
1: All. Yeah, like how insignificant is Bethlehem? Uh, and how insignificant is realistically in the scope of humanity, like Mary and Joseph and a baby, and yeah, it's the start of it. Anything else? Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Um, this community just has so much wisdom um, and so much depth, and I'm just so grateful for uh, for this group of people that gathers week in, week out um, and shares what they're discovering. In um, you know, the the metaphor that Blake gave us a few weeks ago, was um, as we try and listen to this song, as we listen to this song of uh, of who God is, and we we kind of you know, squint our eyes and say, "Like, are we are we hearing it?" And other people. Teach us how to listen. Um, so, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your depth. Um, as, yeah, I guess we're not going to see you before the end of the year. So, let me just say from me, thank you so much for the past four months. Um, I've never been a part of a church that is such a whirlwind and grown so quickly and is so deep um, in the way that we have passionately loved each other. So, um, yeah, there'll be plenty more opportunities to say thank you. But um, as we go off into holidays, um, we are extraordinarily grateful for this community, um, and a, uh, yeah, especially for Pastor Steph and Karen and um, for the way that they lead this community. And we're just, yeah, very grateful for it on so many fronts. Um, I think I might hand back over.